You are listening to the IMN podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. Jeff Maurer was born and raised in Roosevelt, Utah. He served a two-year church mission to Kiev, Ukraine. Following his mission, he attended Snow College and Boise State University. But he claims to be a 100% BYU fanatic. Brother Maurer moved to Idaho 24 years ago. By profession, he is an entrepreneur of four businesses. He has taught early morning seminary for four and a half years. He attended the Boise Institute with his wife and openly claims that he loves life. He's married to the love of his life and together they have six children. We are excited to hear from him today. You are listening to the I Am In podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. And this is Michelle Burke. Um, This is great. My wife and I just pulling in here was uh, just a blast from the past. Um, We actually came up here a week. We moved to Boise probably a week after we got married and came up here. We got into some institute classes. We took several here. Um, Morris Bastian was was around there. He's actually in our ward now, so we get to see him on a regular basis. Wonderful institute teacher. My My mom and my wife are here today, and my mom's actually taken classes from him, so that lets you know how old Morris is. No, she's taking some adult classes, but yeah, I can remember um, just right back out here, or maybe it's actually, it's a side right here. Um, I bought an XR500 Honda motorcycle, and I, we lived clear off of Cloverdale and uh, Victory when we first moved up here, and I would ride that bike down here. I'd park it right over here. Nobody ever yelled at me, so the, the administration here was awesome. Still is, and uh, one time my wife and I got done late here and we were driving back and she was following me because she was in the car and I was on my bike and she told me on the way back she goes you do not have a brake light on that so it was lit up but it wouldn't light up further when you brake and so that was kind of the end of riding that bike down here but that's right <laughs> but I, I did I went to the the um, I got my uh, business degree right over here and so this parking lot, I don't know if it was open then or, you know, but we'd park here and, and make my way over and take business classes. Are there any business majors here? Nice. You'll, you'll uh, love what I'm about to say today because I'm going to share some experiences of, of businesses, um, things kind of kind of our story, my, my story with my wife. And um, I appreciate the intro and I'll, I'm not going to talk a ton about our marriage, although that was a wonderful story. Not a ton about my youth, but I did want to bring some things up. Um, this story is kind of a love story for me. Um, the love of my children, the love of my wife, and of course, the love of the gospel. I want to go back a little bit to my upbringing. So I was brought up, and yours might be different, and that's fine. Um, my dad's upbringing was far different than my upbringing. He was brought up in a, in a family that didn't go to church a family that struggled with the Word of Wisdom. And uh, he chose to change that for him. 
And I'm glad he did because it changed it for me. But I got to see firsthand from my parents. And these are things that I'll, I'll just say were kind of a bag of tools for me coming out of high school. I saw my parents' relationship, how they treated each other. And I saw from my dad the kind of dad that I wanted to be and the kind of husband that I wanted to be. And I'm thankful for that. I also saw from my parents how important it was to sacrifice. And um, when I was your age, I had no idea. Everything in my life was me. Everything I thought about, everything I did, it was me, me, me. And it wasn't until you become a parent that you realize, oh, my parents, my parents love me more than I'll ever love them, if that makes sense. I love my kids a lot more than they'll ever love me, and it's because of that sacrifice. It's the service and it's the love, and I appreciate that um, from my parents. And then the last thing, um, I, at least from my parents, is that I was really taught um, how to work hard. And, and uh, with the businesses I have, and I'll talk more about them, that working hard became very instrumental. And it was in the mission field, it has been in marriage, and certainly in business, in school. Everything you do, that work ethic is important. And I don't remember being young and like hating work. Um, I was raised in a, uh, both of my parents were raised from farmers, farming family. My mom's from Melba here locally, and my dad down in central Utah, um, close to where we were raised. But um, we had two wood-burning stoves growing up, and that's a lot of wood to burn. And uh, all summer long, we'd go up and cut wood. All winter, you're letting it dry out, you're splitting it. That was pretty much a Saturday chore. We had a massive garden, and... Uh, I was really taught to work, but to love work, and it carried me a long way in life, and I appreciate that from my parents. Um, after high school, I immediately left. We went up, uh, I went up to uh, Salt Lake City, literally probably a day or two after graduation. I was getting ready for my mission. It, it was 19 when I, when I went out on my mission. I was actually one of the last ones of, of my friends. I went out a couple of months later, um, I guess a month later than my birthday, and um, so I moved up to Salt Lake and I needed to make money. And I had a brother and, and uh, sister-in-law up there who had recently been married and they had a place to stay. And so I went and lived with them. And I became a kind of a maintenance guy doing sprinkler repairs, helping with um, just kind of a big apartment complex. And this is, for the first time in my life, my life kind of got out of balance where I was just, I was so goal-oriented on making money, I kind of let the church get pushed aside. Going to church, going to sacrament meeting, having a calling. I, I was, you know, similar to your age where you go in and you can get lost in a hurry. And uh, I don't know that I went to church every Sunday. In fact, a lot of Sundays I found myself out working and trying to make money, which is funny, right? I'm trying to get on a mission. I'm doing the physical side of it, but I'm not doing the, the spiritual side of it. And that preparation caught up with me in the mission field. Um, I did get called to the uh, Ukraine-Kiev mission, as, as stated earlier. Um, it's kind of interesting. If you guys have been following CNN or anything, um, it's interesting that I got chosen to come here today. And just a few days ago, they're, they're in open war right now. And I, I hope uh, cooler heads will prevail. But um, it's kind of a scary thing for sure. When I went into the MTC... Um, I actually spent three months in the MTC, and uh, that had nothing to do with my lack of learning uh, the Russian language, although it felt like it to me. They just weren't signing visas. And so I spent three months in there. To me, the MTC, a lot of people absolutely love it. It was prison. You know, there's a wall around it, 
and you don't go out of that wall unless you go to the temple. <laughs> and you can only do that once a day for those of you that served and, and actually spent time in that MTC. And so it did feel like prison. But I soon realized in there that I needed to sacrifice. I needed to work hard. I needed to implement some of these, use these tools that my parents had set me up with. And so I found myself getting up earlier than what was required. I found myself studying harder. I found that, that there were smarter elders in there. There were elders in there that had better testimonies than me. Up to, up to that point in my life, aside from a few gospel doctrines, my testimony was really still my parents' testimony. And uh, I soon realized that I needed to find my own testimony. And so I spent a lot of time before people were even up, diving into the scriptures. Um, I had never read the Bible at that time, so I started reading that. I spent a lot of time on my knees, and I just tried to outwork um, anybody else. Uh, we actually got in trouble um, in the MTC, nothing major, but I convinced a companion of mine, you know, if we get up early, we can actually go for a run outside. And again, there's a wall, so we did stay inside the wall, but they have security guards up there, and I guess the hour we were up was, was a little borderline. They didn't know if we were outside the wall or inside. And so we got yelled at for uh, running laps inside that MTC there. And they told us, you know, go over to the gym to do some of those laps. But I, but I did learn that I needed to work hard. Um, one day inside the MTC, <clears throat> when we're, we're in just your normal language lesson, um, there was a group in there that had been there a month longer than us. And so they were coming up upon four months. And my group was three months, and, and they still weren't signing visas for Ukraine. And uh, this, this gentleman comes walking in one day, and he's got his hands behind his back like this. And he says, well, he goes, I've got two missions behind my back. And he goes, I'll let the group that's been here for four months choose which hand. And right or left, I don't remember which one it was. He pulled it out, and he goes, you guys are going to San Diego. And, you know they erupt, right? They're excited. They're getting out of where they had been for four months, and I don't blame them. And then he said, the group that's been here three months, which was me and, you know, our group, they said, you guys are going to Boston, Massachusetts. And I was so thrilled to get out of there. I was so excited. Um, it was English speaking. However, when I got to Boston, I, I uh, didn't have sheets for my bed. So I went down to a store. My companion took me there and uh, found some, some uh, sheets, took them up to pay for them, and the lady gave me the price, and I had to ask her three times what she had said to me. I didn't understand it. It was English, but it wasn't, it wasn't small-town Utah English, or Idaho for that matter, and she finally just takes the little digital th monitor thing and just turns it around. It shows how much I owed. So I, so I got to pay for those. I had a great time in Boston. Um, one thing I learned in, in Boston, for the first time on my mission, I learned that not every elder was there for the same reason and had the same motivation, the same testimony, the same desire, and that there were missionaries that just, just weren't good missionaries. And that was a shock to me. Nobody had told me that before I went on my mission. I just thought everybody's going to work hard. Everybody's going to be obedient. They're going to live the commandments and the, the mission rules. And uh, that was an eye-opener for me. And I was only there for a month. And uh, one day, and I didn't know this was happening, but one day I had had it. <clears throat> it reminds me of an experience um, that uh, one of the prophets had when he was out on his mission. He was ready to turn in the keys and just be done with it. And I kind of felt the same way. 
And I went in, it was, it was kind of early morning, um, knelt down and just started pleading with the Lord and just, you know, asking, you know, why am I here? What's going on? And uh, I had not even finished that prayer and the phone had rang and it was the uh, assistance to the president. And they said, you know what? We got your visas. We're going to pick you up. I think it was the next morning or later that day. They had our itinerary and uh, I was able to get out of there and get in a better situation and, and on my way to Ukraine. But I, ha I had learned obedience and, and that was important to add to that tool bag that I had that there are blessings associated with obedience. And this came up uh, a lot in the mission. Um, so I'm not going to talk a ton about my mission. I did have um, one kind of a crazy story. I had a mission companion from Poland, and his name was Elder Skinyechny. I'm not going to have you repeat that. All, all Russian and Ukrainian words are kind of weird. So he was from Poland, which borders Ukraine. And it's real close to, to Lviv and the western side of Ukraine. They actually speak Ukrainian. Most of the east and the south, it's all Russian. All that influence came in during communism where they, they made the kids in school learn the Russian language. They tried to filter out the culture, the history. They tried to change all of that, right? Similar to what's probably going on right now there. Um, and Elder Skinyechny, we got done with church one day, and he pulls up the, the scripture that... that um, the Sabbath is a day of rest, right? And this goes back to the hardworking. Uh, normally as a missionary, you go to church and then you're right back out on the streets talking to people, meeting with people. And he goes, the Sabbath is a day of rest. He pulled this out and he goes, I'm going to take a nap. And I said, uh, Elder, I said, let's, uh, let's call our mission president. And I said, let's just ask him. I said, you know, you feel one way, I feel the other. I said, let's let him decide it. And uh, our mission president was a, a former army guy that just kind of total Joseph Smith principles. Correct principles, govern yourselves. That's his, his whole philosophy. Never once had to send anybody home. And uh, so my companion called him up, kind of gave him the, shame, the same spiel. And, and uh, of course, he got off the phone and he wasn't too happy about it, my companion. So we ended up going out and contacting that day and teaching the gospel. Uh, kind of an interesting story, though. Um, off my mission, getting home, um, I had the summer off before I was enrolled at Snow College. You guys know where Snow College is? Down right in Ephraim, Utah, right by the Manti Temple. My wife and I got married down there. Um, I had this whole summer again to just go make some money. And it's when um, I, I actually ended up in Boise, but just prior to that, I was mowing lawns, which is kind of interesting. I ended up doing that here. But I was doing that just in the small town, kind of like I had done in high school. I would mow on Saturdays, and then I had a sister um, who, again, I mooched off of her and her husband. I'd go up to their place. I'd sleep on their couch. And our stake president had a construction company in Lehigh, and they were putting in these massive sewer lines into uh, a town down there called Eagle Mountain. I don't know if you guys know where that is. It was a town they, they made, which I don't think they do very often anymore but they were putting in these sewer lines. And so I would work that construction job Monday through Friday. And then I would go home on Saturday, Sunday, down to my parents' home in, in Fairview, Utah, um, near Snow College. And I'd mow lawns and I was just trying to save money. My brother that, that um, was married living up here in Boise, he came home one week and he goes, boy, you really ought to come to Boise. This place is getting ready to take off. And this is back in like 97, 98. He goes, you ought to think about coming up here 
and starting your, your lawn care business. And that's where he got it in my mind that I could probably do this. And it didn't take long. I'd worked a month, so I'd saved up, I think, about $1,500. I borrowed my parents' truck, moved up here, had no clue what I was doing. I kind of had a business mind growing up, but to actually put that into action um, was something totally different. And so borrowed the truck, moved up here. I moved in again with another sibling, my other brother, and uh, his wife, and went down, bought some equipment, and started Safari Lawn Care. And it was a sole proprietor at the time, which is a big no-no. You, no, you have no protection. If you, you know, flip up a rock and hit somebody's window or eye or anything else, they can sue right through you. And so um, I had to learn that stuff when I was at Boise State and when I went through business school. But I started it and I bought a mower, I bought a, a, a weed eater, a blower, some rake shovels, you know, just basic stuff that a, that a kid in high school would have. And uh, I started that business and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, um, but I knew I wanted to do it. I, I, I knew I wanted to stay out of debt in college. I didn't study Dave Ramsey, I do now, but I was kind of living some of the Dave Ramsey principles, those of you that maybe look into what he does. It's a lot of good information. So we started this business and I only spent about three months up here. Um, anything with lawn care, like we're already today picking up accounts, um, but I came up here in like June, July, August, like everything's already done. And so I ended up teaming up with my sister-in-law who was up here. She had a, a, a marketing degree at the time and she would go out and just flyer uh, doors and then I would do the work and that was kind of our partnership I think she put in about the same amount of money I did that allowed us to buy the mowers and so we started this business and the thing we, that her and I worked out is we'll just divide up profits based on how much time you put in well I'm out doing the work so I can work all day even though we don't have the work and she would go flyer a few hours here and there and so the vast majority of the profits would go to me and she could kind of see the writing on the wall and, and it was probably good to actually break it off. And, and her and my brother came to me one day and they just said, hey, let's split this. You know, you can pay us back what you, what you borrowed from us or the amount we put in to invest. And I agreed to it and then I became the sole owner of that. And it was like a month into the business. It didn't take long at all. So we finished that season, went back down to Snow College. Um, I was um, so um, motivated to find a wife and get married at Snow College. Now, Snow College is about a five to one girl to guy ratio. I was here all summer. I did the ward hopping thing. I, I, I dated, I did everything I could. Well, not everybody was home over the summer here. And I didn't go to school up here in high school, so I didn't have a friend group. I didn't have any of that. I was kind of just a lone wolf up here. I did, the Institute was a huge help on that. I went on, we, we did retreats up to Stanley and different things. I hope they still do stuff like that. But um, I, was, I was really wanting to find a wife and I found her really quick. In fact, it, I tell people now, some people kind of fall in love. Mine was like running into a brick wall. I knew that quick. Um, I just had to convince her. <laughs> and we, uh, short, short story on it, we got married in the Manti Temple. Um, best day of my life. Mission was amazing. Um, marriage took it to a whole nother level and kids take it to another level and and on and on with life but um, getting home off my mission um, 
I had been in Ukraine, right? And uh, Ukraine doesn't have deodorant like we have deodorant. It's kind of, if you took a dry square bar of soap and rubbed that on your armpit, that's about what we had over there. And so quickly you quit doing that, right? I come home and they take me down to Snow College. My buddies have been home for months. They're already dating. They're already, uh, the mission goggles are off. They take me down and I'm, I'm like, they're hugging girls and I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm off my mission. I'm shaking their hand. I'm not giving a girl a hug at that point in my life. I'll hug my mom, my sisters, but I'm not hugging a, a girl. And uh, I soon realized somebody stinks and it's me because <laughs> I'd been on my mission and, you know, you're not melon deodorant over there. You're not buying deodorant. And so, um, yeah, I kind of kept, I kind of kept my arms in the rest of the night and just kind of stayed to myself. But um, it is a transition coming off your, your mission for sure. Um, so to Institute, and this is why I'm so thankful for Institute, um, off my mission, I, I probably have the record for cooking the most meals in the Institute kitchen. And I'm not sure that's even allowed. So again, nothing with Dave Ramsey, just kind of internal with me. Whoops, I probably bumped that. Um, I had buddies that lived down there. They lived in this mortuary. It's an old morgue made for a great uh, Halloween atmosphere. But it was just a converted morgue that, you know, you could shove 10 guys in and they all lived there. Well, my home was about 20 minutes away, and so I'd leave on Mondays for school, and I'd, I'd sleep on the couch in this morgue until like Friday after class or after, you know, dates or whatever, and then I'd go home, and I'd raid my mom's pantry, and I'd do it the next week. And I found myself sleeping on couches and cooking my meals at the Institute. And uh, I, I was able to get through college with no debt. And uh, I had to be a tightwad to do it, but it was well worth it because I didn't have that burden of debt coming out of there. Um, we got married. We, uh, my wife and I moved up to Boise. Um, so we'd been away from the business for almost a year and needed to get back into it. Um, she didn't have a job, so she joined me on this uh, lawn care um, business. And my wife had only been to Idaho uh, one time in her life, I think she had a friend that got married in Idaho Falls. And uh, I just said, you know, I've got this business. We got married. And I said, we'll move to Idaho. And both of our families lived about 45 minutes away from each other in Utah. And that was a hard transition for her. Um, I thought it was good because I think parents can be overbearing on, on their kids, especially when you're, you're a young adult, you're independent, or you're trying to become that. It was nice for us to move up. Both of our parents were very supportive. They didn't uh, give advice unless we asked for it, which was really thoughtful and, and nice on their end. But we moved up here. My wife soon got a job with, as a pharmacy tech, and uh, she met uh, a pharmacist there that just said, well, you guys are, you guys are paying rent. And I think we were paying $6.50 a month at that time, uh, living off Coal Road and U-Stick. And she goes, why don't you just come and live with us? And she had a house. And uh, my wife brings that home to me and is kind of like, can you believe that? And she didn't think I'd bite on it and she didn't want me to bite on it. She probably shouldn't have told me because I'm like, we don't have to pay rent. This is great. And all the lady wanted from us was to pay the utilities and to handle her lawn care. I'm like, I've already got the company. I've got the business for that. And to this day, that lady is still a client of ours. We lived there three months, about three months. We were able to save up for a house, 
and um, my wife was pregnant at the time. We, we had a kid right away. It didn't take us long. And so she was excited to get into our house. We got into our house. It was big enough. We were able to have the business out back and ran it there for a while. But the house was um, super, super little. It was a, a three-bedroom house, which seems big, and it was when we moved in. Well, we added six kids along the way, and this house started out a little bit under 1,500 square feet, um, which has got to be smaller than this room, I'm guessing. But um, it got pretty congested with, with uh, six kids in there, three bedrooms. Partway through that, we did a remodel. I uh, don't ever recommend living in a remodel. <laughs> if you guys are buying houses down the road, don't live in a remodel, especially with little kids. I guess as a husband and wife you could do that, but with little kids it was tough. Um, I did a lot of the work myself. I know nothing about carpentry. Um, I relied on people in the ward to kind of show me or you know show me how to change out a window and then I can do the other 15. You know, show me how to do this. Um, I had a neighbor help me with the wiring. We actually turned our garage, which is another 500 square feet, we turned that into a master bedroom and bath. Um, and uh, that, was, that was a chore by far. You're, you're doing walls, you're doing all this stuff, and I really had to rely on some help. Um, with the business, um, it started to grow, right? It starts out me by myself, then I add a guy. I'm adding services, so I'm not just mowing, I'm adding fertilizing, I'm adding tree and shrub apps aeration, sprinklers, pruning. I'm trying to grow this business. I'm working as hard as I can. The business is a seasonal business. And so I work as hard as I can. I'm taking night school. I'm trying to finish my degree up here. And it's, it becomes overwhelming, right? And, and this is the part of my life where I'm soon realizing balance is so important. And there's times in my life where I was so unbalanced to where I was dead set on doing this and I let a lot of other things go to the wayside. And so this is part of running this business. When I started it, I had to put in a lot of time. I'm neglecting my family, right? Um, probably neglected a church calling or something down the line, but I, I found that I needed to find balance as I'm growing this business. And so I start growing the business, we're adding employees, we're adding equipment. All of a sudden we're getting into debt doing some of this stuff and it's scary but I'm still having the problem of it being a seasonal business where I can only make income for nine months. Well, those other three months eat up any profits there were. And so we've got line of credits, we're doing all this stuff, and it's just becoming harder and harder. Well, we decide that we ought to jump into um, um, snow business, right? Boise gets so much snow here, right? Never. We had snowmageddon, and that was about it. And so I, I invest in these plows, these de-ice tanks. I'm like, okay, I've got it covered. Well, I think I bought these plows and they didn't touch the ground for two or three years. It was just warm winters. It would snow. It would be melted by noon the next day and, and we never really got to use them. And so um, it was what it was. We one time were on a, a trip up to McCall. My wife and I and her family was in town and we drove by, um, this is at Eagle and Hill Road. 55 and Hill Road and now there sits a, a storage facility called storage 55 and just kind of in passing I, I told my dad or my father-in-law I said man I would love to do a storage facility be such a great business and he goes well you know let me know if that's something you want to get into I would I would partner with you and we kind of talked about it there was a for sale sign on this property 
it had a storage facility coming soon sign and uh, that was the birth of storage 55 which was the second business that we decided to run and uh, we went ahead and moved forward on it um, the problem with storage facilities different than lawn care lawn care there's not really what's called a barrier to entry meaning something that prevents you from jumping into that right that's why there's 13 14 15, you know there's young kids like i did growing up that run lawn care businesses there's not much of a bent barrier right if your dad has a truck or you got lawns close in the neighborhood or a wagon you can get around and, and pull your stuff and do lawn care storage has a huge barrier to entry and it's capital and uh, my wife and i literally played the game of monopoly when you land on somebody's property and you got to flip all the cards over to where the red's showing because you're mortgaging everything and we mortgaged our house we mortgaged every truck we had every vehicle we had we borrowed from my parents we borrowed from my wife's parents i actually borrowed from a good friend of mine and we went so deep into debt to get this business well i thought you know what i can outwork my way out of this i can just work hard pay things off right after we built this and it was in 06 we hit a major major recession in the valley here and uh, eagle thank goodness it hit them about six months after everybody else but our occupancy dropped from like 80 i think we climbed up to 80 in about a year's time down to 50 and now we had a business that wasn't paying its own um, loan and so that became an issue because we were maxed out on everything we had already played monopoly we were trying to climb out of debt um, april's parents luckily had the funds to help out and cover the payment that we weren't fully making we were partners with them and so they agreed to that we were the ones um, somewhat managing it paying the bills handling that and that was kind of our input on it but we continued to grow it but this recession became a little bit of a theme on any business i did the lawn care business i didn't really have major major hiccups um, but these other businesses we did kind of run into that not too long after this uh, storage business and this is where my life got a little bit out of balance um, and the lord corrects you in a hurry on this stuff if you'll allow him i decided in my mind my wife and i and our kids were up in Coeur d'Alene, and i had done a couple of triathlons just to kind of stay in shape and and it was just it's fun to run bike swim in my mind and we were up in Coeur d'Alene, and they had an ironman competition up there and an Ironman, for those of you that don't know, um, you start off with a swim that's 2.4 mile swim, and then you jump on your bike and go 112 miles, and then you end it with a 26 mile run. And it, professionals can do this in about eight and a half hours. Most people are around 12 to 18, and I think you're capped off at 18. You just disqualify if you don't cross the finish line. So we're coming back and I see these racers and we're driving right next to them. They got a lane blocked and I'm looking at some of these guys going, that guy's heavier than I am. And before this, I thought it was these little like jockey type people. You guys know what a jockey is? <laughs> or I would say, you know, just, I just thought it was for little people. If you watch the Olympics or anything, it is thin, shorter people. You don't see a lot of big guys doing it. Well, I saw some big guys riding their bikes. And I'm like, whoa, I guess I can do this. If they can do it, I can do it. So I got that in my mind that I was going to do an Ironman. I had trained for some smaller races. And so 
but I didn't want this to influence my family. I didn't want to take away time from my kids and my wife. Um, you've got callings, everything else you're doing. At the same time, we finally were moving out of this little, in my mind, a little house that I promised my wife. When we moved in, I said, just give me a few years and you know, I'll build you the house of your, you know, you, you, a dream house for you. Well, we were in that house for 15 years because about year seven, we decided to do the storage and then we literally had to climb out of the biggest hole. We just, we couldn't do the house and, and it was a good reason. The Lord, the Lord had us there for a purpose. And uh, I kept, during this whole time, I kept asking, like I, I felt that we needed to do the storage. But then a year later, it doesn't work out. And so now you're questioning, was it the spirit? Was it something else? And that happens a lot of times in our life. And I can look back now, which you can do this later in life, right? You go five, 10 years out, you're like, oh, that's what the Lord was doing with me. Those are some of the things that you learn. I didn't want to sacrifice my family time training for this race. So I just like, you know what? I'll get up at four in the morning. I'll train from like four to seven. And, and then I can, you know, start my guys, start doing my business and then callings in the after, you know, the evenings, whatever. I wasn't too far into this training and the training is, um, it's about three hours a day to train. Like you're going to go out and you're going to swim for an hour and then run for two hours. The next day you might bike. And then every Saturday you're doing like a five or six hour training session. And uh, I'm just a few weeks into this and I get a call from our stake president. And he says, could I meet with you and your wife? And uh, I'm like, sure. And I, I thought, I got off the phone, I told my wife, I said, that was really weird. We're building a home that's not only out of this ward, which I lived in the same ward as our stake president, but it's out of the stake. I said, what are they, well, you know, what are they calling me to be? I'm only here for six months and I thought I'd just be an instructor somewhere. He calls me in and he goes, you know, we're starting this uh, early morning um, seminary program at, at Mountain View, and they didn't have it at the time. Are there any early morning, anybody taking early morning when you were younger? Oh, I was going to say you guys are lucky and about half of you have. All right. You teach early morning. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Um, early morning is, is uh, I was sleepy and I was the teacher. I was falling asleep, and I was the one giving the lessons, so it's that hard. But they throw that at me, and so now I'm like, okay, I was training for this race. I've already signed up. I have to do all of this stuff. And so, again, my life was getting out of balance. You know, I was overtraining, doing this stuff. You're doing your calling, your work, everything. And now I got a calling that's a little bigger than what I anticipated. And the stake presidency, he told me, he goes, hey, this isn't like gospel doctrine. He goes, you do not need to spend that type that kind of time where you're prepping for you know all week for these he goes you're going to have a lesson he goes you know the gospel you served a mission spend an hour a day and it was wonderful advice because a lot of times in anything we do we can overdo things right and i'm not saying don't be prepared but that was really good advice otherwise i probably would have spent two or three hours getting that lesson ready um, for those kids right I'm now helping them strengthen their testimony. The Savior is responsible for them, but I'm, I'm helping them find the Savior. I'm helping them find Heavenly Father. And that's a big task. And uh, the institute teachers here, um, and those that have taught seminary, you know what that's all about. 
you feel that you feel that as a parent. Um, you certainly feel that as a grandparent, I'm sure. Um, it's a big task when you're somewhat responsible for other people that way. And so um, I ended up doing the race. It was wonderful. I, um, I could not tell them no. Every year in seminary, early morning, they would come back and say, hey, you up for another year? I'm like, sure. I couldn't say no. So that's why I taught for four and a half years. And uh, I got hassled from some friends. They said, do you get paid for that? And I said, no, this is a calling. He goes, they need to change that in the church. You should get paid for early morning seminary. You're not getting paid, are you? No, I actually do. Nice. Well. My buddy was a conduit for that, I'm pretty sure, because he put in a good, good tab on it. Um, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Um, two years ago, same kind of thing. Uh, a buddy of mine comes to me, actually he invited my wife and I over, and he goes, I've got this wonderful business opportunity, and he goes, I can't, I need investors. And he goes, I went to my dad, his dad was a dentist, he's a dentist, and he goes, my dad said to, to come and talk to you. And uh, I was in his dad's ward, and I knew him. We, were, we knew each other, but not friends or anything like that. So my wife and I go over one uh, evening, and he's got this styrofoam mock draw-up of vertical view. And you guys have been by the gym. You guys all know what the climbing gym is on Locust Grove and the freeway. He had that in like a styrofoam. He's really artistic. And uh, he had pretty much that design sitting on his kitchen table. We spent probably two hours there. And he tells us all about this and, and how he had done a Groupon. And he goes, this is the best family activity. He goes, a little tiny girl can climb by dad and a grandpa can climb on the other side. Like it's, it really is for the whole family. And uh, he had me sold. And uh, that was kind of the start of Vertical View. He was the brainchild, if you will of the project and uh, we, we would go to the banks and the banks are like, you guys are crazy, like there's no way, you guys can't pull this off. We got another partner involved, um, it's the three of us today, but we needed, the banks wanted so much more money, um, the appraisal comes in on this thing and of course we had been to like the, what's called the CWA, it's the Climbing Wall Association back in Colorado. We went two or three years in a row, we were trying to learn everything. We've got a dentist, myself, a lawn care guy, and then we've got uh, a guy that sells uh, real estate. None of us know a thing about climbing. We're not climbers, and we're jumping into a business we know nothing about. So we had to get up to speed in a hurry on this. Uh, and we did. But again, there's a massive barrier to entry. It's capital, right? So we went to everybody we know that had deep pockets. And uh, we actually had a bunch of people, not a bunch, I guess two or three more people lined up. And, uh, and then the original brainchild says, oh, wait a minute. He goes, I've got a friend who grew up here in Boise. They went to elementary together. They were in the same ward. They went to BYU together. Um, and he goes, he's a billionaire. And uh, he's an IT guy. These two guys in college at BYU were sitting in their dorm room studying and bantering each other like guys do. Girls don't do this, but guys do it. And the one going to dental school is like, I'm going to make a lot more money than you. I'm going to be a dentist. And uh, the other, he goes, you're just going to be in a cubicle because you're an IT guy. And that IT guy um, hit the jackpot. He really did through hard work and, and everything I've talked to you about today. And so we presented this idea to him. 
of course, he had been hit up by everybody he knows because he's got that deep of pockets. And uh, these guys were good friends. We had to go back and forth. Finally, we're like, well, why don't you build it and we'll just buy it from you. So like you're the bank because banks wouldn't give us the money. Banks wanted way more money than we had. And so this partner, he wasn't a partner at the time. He was just going to be a bank for us, kind of a hard money lender. And he says, okay, let me bounce this off my wife. And if she's fine with it. And uh, he came back and he's like, okay, we'll do this. Well, we built that gym. We were open for six weeks and the masks that you guys are wearing happened. COVID hit. And so we had grown, I think up to about seven, 800 members in six weeks. COVID hit, we had to actually shut doors and we were again devastated. So now I'm thinking, okay, this happened on business two, the recession, business three, COVID, it's me. I'm, I'm the like, you know, I'm bad luck with business. And so we shut down. It was really, really hard. Open back up. You kind of, it's a roller coaster. You know, you, you advertise for masks. You, you put the hand sanitizer out. You got people coming in that aren't going to wear anything and they don't care. And you got people coming in that are extra careful and you can't win that war, right? That's a war inside. And so we went back and forth on that. Um, it was hard. Again, we weren't able to meet the demands of the bank. And uh, luckily, our partner wanted to come in as a partner. He saw the growth we had. He saw the potential. We proved um, the idea of this gym. And there's like probably 500 of these around the U.S. And worldwide, there's a ton of them. And it's, it's, it's like a proven business, just bad timing on our end. And so he ended up coming on actually as a partner, not just the bank. He came on as a 50% partner. The three of us gave up some ownership but half of our debt was wiped out, which was huge because now we were actually a little bit above breaking even to where, to where we're not making a lot of money or, or you know, very little money, but it's heading in that direction. I have no, no doubt that when this clears up that we'll be, we'll be in the gold on it. Uh, and then the last business I wanted to talk about, um, my wife and I, and she's actually the, I guess you could say the general manager of this business. We, we went in it together. Um, we actually just bought a, an office building that I was doing lawn care for. And I rented an office space from them. And I found out this was going for sale. The, the owner of the business called me up one day and he goes, we were just working a trade. He has a computer store and, and I was doing lawn care. And he goes, hey, I, I wanna settle up with you. I'm selling the building. I said, you're kidding. And he goes, yeah, I've got an interested buyer. And I said, well, if it falls through, let me know. I said, I would love this office space. And it's a big three-story building. It's called the Tech Mall. And there's just like 20 different offices spaces inside here. The deal fell through. So he called me up and he goes, how serious were you? And I said, well, let me you know, look at finances and see if this is something we can pull and talk to my wife about it, my business partner and everything, including crime. And... Uh, <laughs> She was a go for it. Well, she was a go because she thought like I would handle it. And then we got into it and realized um, she needs to handle it because there's, you know, there's not enough employees right now. Drive around town. There's a lack of employees in the valley. And so our, our lawn care business, because of that, I'm having to do more work with that. Um, we're doing more really on all of our businesses. And so she's kind of taking the reins on it. And uh, uh, it's a stretch for her. It's a stretch for both of us. 
We've never owned property like that that we've really rented out, and so we're kind of learning the ropes, but it's just another fun business that we get to do. I talked a little bit about balance in our lives. When I was running the Ironman, my life was out of balance. And uh, if you're not in balance, it's just not, it's not quite what the Lord wants you to do. I think there are times in our life, you guys are in school right now, you're pretty much full throttle ahead, hopefully with school. And, and that's a smart thing because you need to get through it. If you stayed like that for a long, long time, that out of balanced life can come back and get you, right? If you're putting church on the back burner, if you're putting family on the back burner, maybe a job, whatever it may be, even, even things like uh, hobbies, things that, that reduce stress, things that, that you live for, right? Whatever it may be. Um, that's one thing through all these businesses that I've really found important. It's being balanced in life. And uh, we really preach that to our kids, that they need to be balanced. And, and it's a hard thing. You almost have to learn yourself um, with the balance. I have always been blessed by living the gospel. And it doesn't mean things haven't been without challenges, right? I've told you about our business challenges. You have challenges in marriage. You have challenges with kids. Um, your kids grow up into teenagers, and then they grow up into adult children, where, where you have very little say in what they do, and they're going to do it regardless, and, and you just love them. And uh, that's one thing that's been really important in, in our life, in our marriage, and with our kids, is to try and love like our Heavenly Father loves us. He's always there for us. Um, no matter what, He's there for us. And, and uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity to speak to you today. I think we're going to have a question, uh, a Q&A here. If you guys have questions, I hope you have thought of some. But I'll leave my testimony with you of the importance of, of following our Savior and our Heavenly Father and being balanced in life. Um, it's important. Uh, we will have challenges, most of which we create or other people create for us, but we can get through those with the Savior's help. And I'll leave that testimony with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.